I'm Matt Godbolt. And I'm Ben Rady. And this is Two's Compliment, a programming podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey, Matt. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. Lovely. Good to hear. So recently at work, we've been discussing... Uh, the benefits of Java versus uh, C++. Mm-hmm. And I figured we should talk about it here because, first of all, it means that you and I can talk about something which we needed to discuss at work, but do it in a way <laughs> that other people can listen in, right? Yes. So this officially counts as our day job, right? That's right. We can claim yeah. this back and everything, I think. Uh-huh. Right. So, you know, uh, the, we have a new project and mm-hmm. we're spiking it out in Java, which... Makes a lot of sense, I think. But we but we should just discuss what are the trade-offs in deciding a language. We've asked some of our yeah. guests, I think, this kind of stuff is like, what makes you pick a particular yeah, language yeah, over yeah. another? And um, I figure we should discuss a little bit about that. Yeah. I think we're going to have to try to describe a little bit about what this project is. Because with any of these decisions, right, it's all about the constraints of the project and what you're trying to achieve and a bunch of other things. Absolutely. And it's going to be hard for us to have that discussion in a very after. It's like, well, we're doing a thing. Yes. <laughs> right? So maybe, maybe I don't know, you could give your description of what this project is and, and sort of the constraints. Right. It. I think so. So um, obviously we work in finance. And uh, so there's a certain amount of secrecy about what we're exactly doing. So we can't go into huge amounts of detail. But you're right to have some idea about what we're, we're talking about here. So we're talking about a system which will observe events in the world many thousands of them, potentially thousands per second in some cases, and make some kind of decision about when is the right time to either buy or sell um, stocks based on a whole bunch of signals that we are going to get a team of smart people to come along and do. Like you and I are not the kind of people who understand the economics of it or whatever, but we can certainly build a framework that lets people come in and make um, smart um, signals out of the massive information coming in and there's a ton of information and we have to sift through it somewhat quickly mm-hmm. and we're talking something which is somewhat performant not necessarily uh like nanoseconds mm-hmm. but in the milliseconds let's wave our hands a bit and say around that to make sort of decisions mm-hmm. so does is that your was that a fair description do you yeah think, of i think i think that's good and i think one of the points you hit on is really important which is is that this project is going to be worked on by a mixture of people some of whom are professional software engineers and have been doing it for decades, and some of whom have been working maybe for decades, but not as software engineers, right? They have their right. background is in mathematics or statistics. And yes, they can code because, you know, these days programming is like literacy, right? Like you, you got to <laughs> right. be able to do it a Gosh. little bit. Otherwise, you I'm know, it's like, you know, you can't even write an email. Um, but um, <laughs> Uh, but they're not professional software engineers, right? Like, you know, just like somebody writing an email isn't a professional writer. So um, there's, and, and because of that, we don't want what I would normally want on a lot of these types of projects, which is everybody solves all the problems together, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. a big group of people and yes, people have different strengths and weaknesses, but the expectation is that, like, hey, you know, maybe Ben, your 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 sequel's a little bit rusty and out of date. Let's have you work with this other person on the team who's just has a you know is a relational database master, and they know every little trick and tip. And you, if you work with them, the two of you are going to build great stuff, and you'll get better, and they'll get better, right? 
I don't know that we necessarily want on this project to say, hey, let's take this person with a PhD in statistics or uh, mathematics and have them, you know, learn how to write really great multi-threaded code, right? Like that's not yeah, a right. that's not it's a good non-goal. use of everyone's time. Very right? specific non-goal. No, th- yes. Those folks aren't interested in it. They, they. I think yes. we've talked about this before. The difference between I think you know programmers and, and non-programmer folks is like I think as you and I as programmers, there's a certain amount of pride in just building a nice program. And the fact that it does something useful in the world is a pleasant side effect of that. <laughs> yes. We hope, right? You know, yeah, pays our the day bills. job. We, yeah, yeah, the thing that pays the bills. Yeah, my mortgage is paid. Thank you very much. Yeah. Because the yeah. nice thing I build happens to make somebody some money. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, for the folks that we're talking about here, the program is very much a means to the end. Their goal is: Can I model this thing? Can I? Uh, can I predict the future in some way? And the program is how they had achieved that, and they're relatively unexcited by the beauty of the program itself. Some of them are, yes. but most of them just want to get stuff done, and that's yep. completely yep. understandable. Yep. So that's one constraint. And then the other yep. constraint, which you kind of me- mentioned, is that we do have a performance constraint. And actually, at Prev Prevco, we had a name for this, which is named after a, a good friend of yours and mine, Matt Helge, because we called it the Helge Middle. Do you remember me talking about this? Oh, this I... Was- it rings a very faint bell. I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, talk, tell, yeah. tell me about the Helgi middle. So the Helgi middle is so it was. It's the middle world between sort of very low latency, extremely performance sensitive systems and batch systems, right? Mm-hmm. Where in a very low latency system, there are things that like physics will not let you do, right? Right. And the discussion with like a stakeholder or somebody like that is you you, you sort of have physics to it's the old thing of 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 um well, grace, you know, grace hopper wire. And, the, and the wire right <laughs> i like, can see you, know, you brandishing this, this is a nanosecond uh, right there's yeah. nothing you can do to change that right yeah and so yeah, you yeah. have that to sort of fall back on and be like hey uh, you know can't we just can't we just do this can't we just do that it's like no light doesn't move that fast we cannot do that i am 100 yeah. percent certain we cannot do that and that obviously has a lot of constraints and is can be difficult to work with but it also provides a sort of fundamental layer to work from that is non-negotiable right right there's a flaw that's well understood and yes. you, you yeah no amount of, of of changing the problem can get away from it in most exactly. situations exactly right. yeah 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 and then in the batch world it's like okay well you know can you guys do this can you add this can you add that it's like well yeah it's gonna maybe make the batch job run a little bit longer it's like yeah okay that's fine if it's a daily batch job and it takes more than a day then maybe you got to change things around. <laughs> right there's but ultimately, but, the constraint there is not, at least from the, from the point of view of the, the business goal, yeah. it doesn't matter, right? I mean, yes. as a programmer working on that batch system, and if, every time you make a change, you need to test it, it takes you 23 right. hours and 35 minutes. You might you might just want to uh, speed it up a little bit, but that's not going to prevent the business from, from its achieving its goals, right? Right, right. So the, so the middle, middle <laughs> is you care about both. You care about performance, oh. but not so much that you're constrained by physics, Right. Right. Which means when somebody comes along and says, hey, can you just add this in? The answer is an unfortunate. It's not no. And it's not yes. <laughs> it's like, well, probably. <laughs> it depends. And oh, it's no. going to be Everyone really difficult that. to figure out if that was a bad idea until six months after we've done it. Right. Like um, and so the sort of middle world where you're you're not cons- you don't have as many hard constraints but you have a whole bunch of soft constraints mm-hmm. and the intersection of all of those soft constraints can be a very difficult to just figure out 
and be very difficult to sort of negotiate from like a you know business and strategy standpoint right. about like okay we have a whole bunch of things we could do what will happen if we do them which ones should we do right we, you almost don't have the constraints there to, to tell you it's like well that one's physically impossible so we can take that off the list right now got it right? that's it strikes me that most software development falls into this category I think it does actually it's just that I I, I have previously you know I worked with Heligy on a bunch of this stuff so so we we would spend a lot of our time down at the the physics constrained end and i think like any kind of uh i was gonna say art because that's the only thing i can think of but this isn't art but maybe well, maybe it is any kind of art that's the constraint really helps right the more constrained your environment is the more creative you can be within that uh that constraint system and i think some of the best code I ever wrote and the best ideas I ever had came from constraint system, be yeah. they ridiculous, you know, 35 year old, uh, eight bit hardware that only can do so much or even right. games consoles right. or any of those things, or, well, here's the fastest computer money can buy. Here is the shortest cable we can possibly fit. These are the constraints. Everyone else is laboring under the same constraints. Go make it do the thing we need it to do as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. So, when you're in that, and then maybe in the batch job, there are just literally no constraints. I'm going to put an asterisk. I'm sure there's yeah, no constraints. Yeah, they're just right? much, they're, they're few, I think there's fewer of them generally. And it is a little bit of a, 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 you know, a, a spectrum. It's got one firm side on, on the, like one side of the spectrum, and then the other one is just sort of trails off into infinity. But that, right? that heligy middle is where there are reasonably, it's, it's a very high dimensional space. There are reasonably many trade-offs you can make and still have a good solution that's sat there in a, in a minima. Whether it's a global minima is like, who knows? Because there's just so many other choices you could have made. Right, I see. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and that sort of, of like millisecond performance range, I think, is, is the sort of, when we were talking about it with Matt, that was sort of the prototypical thing of like, so we were building the system and it sort of had these same, kind of performance constraints to it. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, the problem with that is, is that you wind up in this place where, you know, you, you, you've got fewer constraints and that actually makes the problem harder. Right? Yes, um, yes. So, it's very easy to answer, like, how important is it that I spend this time pouring over my cache layout mm-hmm. and my hashing algorithm to find my my thing in, in, in this set of, of, of possible things mm-hmm. uh, compared to, well, you know, we'll just use a normal default unordered map thing or a default hash map container or whatever and then right. it's probably fine until right. it isn't probably fine and then you're never quite yeah. sure if it's in the middle of that or yes. not you're like well, is that contributing to it or not yes. sorry you'll yes. have to yes. excuse my my dog who is it occurred to me actually earlier when i was making a cup of coffee before we came to do this recording that we started doing this when my now one-year-old dog was absolutely tiny Mm-hmm. So I wonder. Uh, I can't remember when we did our first episode, but we must be coming closer to <laughs> to, oh, to, yeah. to an anniversary of sorts. Although when this goes out, who knows? But uh, yeah, now I have a full sized dog <laughs> running around and barking <laughs> at everyone. Anywho, yeah. the the heligy middle and the milliseconds and the and the under constrained yeah. thing, which means that I I suppose charitably you could say that means there's a lot of scope for individual choice about what is best for the people working on the project, which I think probably leads us to yeah. the idea that this, we're, what we're developing in is Java because yeah. of the various people that are available and the skill sets they bring. But there obviously there are other reasons why it's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we, you know, we wouldn't even be having this conversation if, it, if we weren't in the hell you middle, right? Like the, the, the choice of programming language would be 
Well, FPGA. That's <laughs> it, the that's, very far yes. low extreme. Yes. Right, right. 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 And then bumping up above it is you know CC plus plus style maybe. Exactly. Uh, you know, although again, you know, we're going to talk more generally about Java. It's not. Uh, it's not impossible to have Java at that end. And in fact, we worked on yes. larger trading systems at previous companies that were all in Java, mm-hmm. and they did pretty well. Thank you very much. And so, you know, yeah. it's all about choosing the right thing for the right team and and that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff, which I guess is. The theme for today right. is like why? What are the trade-offs? And yeah, you know, why? What? What? Uh... So, so, and it's interesting because in those worlds, I actually think Java is not a great solution. And this is my opinion. This is just sort of like based on my experience. But it's like if you start getting into the world of having to write low or no garbage Java, where you're like kind of torturing the language to try to figure out how to get it to prevent it from doing garbage collections of any kind. A fundamental property of the language you have to basically disable and there's no help from the system to to do that. Right. So I think maybe we should go dig into that a little bit because maybe it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, and also it's worth saying while we're here, when we're talking about Java here, really we mean any kind of JVM based language, right? Because they're pretty fungible, which is a real excellent property of the ecosystem that you can mix and match Clojure and Java and Scala, I think. Is Scala one of those? Scala, Kotlin. Kotlin, uh, yeah, great call. Groovy. Uh, man, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of them. But talking about like the, the no garbage, um, aspect here. So a trading system has to react to events coming in and you want to act timely to those in a timely fashion to those events. And ideally it's not just the fact that you can rely, uh, sorry, it's not just that it's a fast response. It's that the um, the properties of the uh, the time that's taken are, are sort of well understood. You know, you, you, yeah. you, you can say it's like between three and five microseconds, you know, would be a really lovely thing to be able to say, I can react b- between, right? And I know that there's some variance because the computer isn't a, a perfect uh, environment anymore for, for programs. There's other things going on, cache lines are going and whatever. But what you want is low variance in your your response time because you can always account for a relatively slow to some extent you can you can deal with slowness um if if you know it's going to happen but if it's a wide range of like yeah most of the time it takes five microseconds to respond but sometimes it takes 50 milliseconds you're like well those are the times when you're going to lose a ton of money in the kind of world that we're talking about and so i would rather have a 30 millisecond all day, every day, reliable right. time than right. something which has the properties of three to five mics most of the time and 50 milliseconds some of the time. That's a Under worse... some conditions which are very difficult to understand and reproduce. Exactly. So right. Right. given those things, and obviously as a as, a, as more of a native programmer, um, the, I, the things that I think about in that world is, is my cache warm? Is my branch predictor uh, well-trained? All those things, right? In the Java world... You have the uh, the the runtime that is trying to adapt to make your program run as fast as possible. It can do JIT compilation, and that's great. Um, once that's settled down, though, that usually the JIT is is good. You know, you've run your code a few times, and now it's warm. There's a whole bunch of things we can talk about, maybe about that. But like most of the time, I one thinks about the the JIT sort of stabilizes at some point. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But if you're creating new objects, and uh, uh, which is a very idiomatic Java thing to do then at some point the garbage collector is going to kick in and of course the garbage collector is amazingly sophisticated and clever piece of software using multiple threads using not a non-stopping um garbage 
collection techniques so he doesn't actually have to stop the world and all that kind of stuff. But every now and then you'll bump up against it and then you get a big block of variance in your program. And so the folks that we've worked with before have kind of come to the conclusion that you can use Java in these situations provided once you've got yourself into a steady state, you create no new objects. Right. Which means it's in a garbage tree. No more, no, nothing's going to get thrown away. The garbage collector doesn't tend to run anymore because there's nothing for it to do. And now you're in a world where you can have a re relatively reliable response time. And that's great. And I think the point that you're making is that's not Java anymore. <laughs> it is a, it is, I think in that world, you lose a lot of the benefits of Java, right? Which is Java has a really, the JVM yeah, has sorry, a really should, yeah, great ecosystem of a lot of different tools and libraries and people that can help you troubleshoot problems, that can help you solve problems with open source tools and other tools. Um, and you throw away about 80 to 90% of that when you're like, oh yeah, I can't make any garbage. Or I can only make enough garbage to make it to the end of the day. <laughs> that's an, I yeah. mean, so that's another technique we're both aware yeah. of is that, you know, you just get through yeah. tons of memory into your computer and you say, right, the heap size is one trillion bytes, you know, like yeah. the whole memory of the computer is one yeah. heap go. And yeah. hopefully we don't get to the end of it. Yeah. 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 Um, or you start doing, you know, weird things where you like garbage collect at very specific times. But again, like you're now breaking the, the model of the JVM when you're doing that. And can you do it? Sure. Have people been successful doing that? Absolutely. Absolutely they yeah. have. But if that's, that's not a world that is, um, uh, well populated, right? You can't just like Google and find the Stack Overflow answer. For right. A you, you, if you're hiring someone that. straight out of yeah. university mm -hmm. and they've got Java on their list of of mm -hmm. uh, skills, yeah, that's going to be a new thing for them, right? No right. one really does this. It's not a it's not a no very well known yeah. uh, uh, issue. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I mean, in those situations, you know, I am. Um, as much as J Java and the JVM are familiar technologies to me, and I feel comfortable using them, it's a place where you know I would question pretty heavily. Like, is this really the right solution to this problem? Right, right, and that's specifically for these cases where the variance needs to be kept low. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So how how does that compare to our situation? Would yeah. you say? Well, I think we have a little bit of both on this project, mm -hmm. right? We have some situations in which, you know, we're um, listening to messages over an unreliable protocol. And so um, we, if we don't receive those messages, uh, we will miss them. It's not like a TCP connection where it's like, well, it'll buffer a little bit. Maybe you'll get some back pressure. Right, that's not going to happen. Like if we don't if we don't hear the message, the tree has fallen in the woods and there was no one there. Um, <laughs> did it really fall? If no one did it, it, did it? Did the packet ever even get sent? Who knows? Um, and so in those situations, like latency is really important. It's not just a question of throughput. Now I have definitely seen lots of situations in which the throughput between C++ and Java is at least comparable. I've seen some, even some situations in which Java is better because of some of the tricks that it's able to pull. Right. But absolutely. Um, and and I think that is sort of a natural use of 
like in those contexts, that wasn't like the sort of tortured garbage free stuff that I was talking about. It's just like, no, it's like the JIT runs and it warms up and it gets used to your pattern of execution and it actually can be faster. And the GC things. most of the time keeps up and yeah. then every now and then you, you stop and pause, but like the, the, yeah. the price you pay is not so high right. and amortized over a longish program run it's it's probably even faster than tracking it yourself under yeah. some cases yeah. right exactly it can be at least it is at least comparable yes. but in this case it's like no if 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 you don't read that packet in time you're never going to get it and now you know you have a whole different category of problems which is can be can be difficult to deal with and so you know for those kinds of things I think something that is more predictable um, is is just it's just a simpler solution, right? Right. Now it's not one that I personally feel comfortable building um, because you know I've written, you know, I my, I did my undergraduate degree in C plus plus, and that was in you know 1996, um, and you know I wrote a little bit of it when I first got out of school, and I've had some little sort of side projects with it, but I wouldn't ever uh, ask someone to pay me to write. Right, to read. Yeah. <laughs> right. That yeah. is prof- that is unprofessional are, to be like. You should give me money, and I'm going to give you C plus plus source are, code. Um, right. Yeah, a lapsed C plus plus programmer, and yeah. and so yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So so even though that's you know not necessarily the kind of thing that I would feel comfortable doing, I feel like it is definitely the right solution. Right. So th- there, I mean, that's obviously that's that's like an aspect of the system we described is mm-hmm. that there's a number of events coming in and you've just described some, almost like a physical issue. This is, is more like the physics based yeah. thing. There are packets arriving and they're coming in as fast as uh, they're being sent by the the sender, which is as fast as things are happening in the world outside. Sometimes that reach li- reaches line rate on a 10 gig network card and you can't, you can't not be dequeuing packets off of the network card because eventually the buffers run out and you're done and you've missed the information there. And so that's a perfect example where you want the absolute, I say absolute predictability, you know, people, anyone here who does like hard real time right. systems is laughing at my idea of like, you know, absolutely de- dependable performance. Like, no, nothing right. like that. But like dependable enough for you to never be more than a few thousand packets behind what the network card is dequeuing so that you can keep up with it and keep feeding it new buffers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then some amount of processing, and then, and then the rest of the system, you know, is this what? what so obviously we're having this discussion, and you know, you and I obviously right. know where we're going with this, right? But like, right. what we described really was a system where, um, as I described it, you know, you're trying to react to events in the market, and you have to react relatively quickly and with lowish variance. And we've just talked about like a physical characteristics of how you accrue accrue uh, events happening, but making those decisions and handing code over to uh, people who are not computer science majors uh, to, to write features to say, predict when they should buy or sell or whatever. That's not in C++. Yeah. Well, in fairness, you don't have a computer science degree either. And you do just fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but yes, they're, they're, they're not professional software engineers and they don't want to be right. Um, that's, that's not what their career path is. So, yeah, so we, so we sort of have this, this system, um, that I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it is, is probably best done in, in at least two parts. Mm -hmm. And, um, even within the parts, there might be some sort of layers of abstraction, um, 
that that sort of makes sense and and, and might sort of subdivide what what certain people work on just for their own um, uh, simplicity, their own their own like you know uh, the scope of things that they have to worry about in their in their jobs. Right. Um, I think it is interesting though to sort of talk about you know as we've discussed before. It's not like modern processors are actually executing the x86 <laughs> exactly. You say so, yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of this is just about abstraction and the sort of um, the cost of abstraction. Whether it's the processor that's not actually executing those instructions, or the JVM doing things that you don't fully understand, or the VMware virtual machine that's right. doing things to the network that you don't understand either. Yeah. Um, Every time you add these sort of layers of abstraction, it has at least the possibility of introducing behavior that you don't understand. And there's sort of the old joke about, you know, the difference between scientists and engineers is when scientists are surprised, they're happy. And when engineers are surprised, they're sad. Um, and so, <laughs> you know. I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's I brilliant. Mean, yeah. I mean, it's the thing. So, so, like, as engineers, you know, when we see something and I'm like, I don't understand why that just did that. It's like, oh, well, crap. This isn't going to be my That's whole it. I'm now, not going right? home on time today. Yeah. And I'm going to have three people crowded around my monitor all staring. Like, How can this possibly be? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, the more of those layers you have the more likely it is that you do that now if you want to use the silicon rocks we've tricked into thinking as the basis <laughs> for your system you're going to have that x86 you know microcode thing like that's happening but you don't have to add other ones to it if you don't want to um and so in the in the situation of you know we we have people who are who are going to be working on the system we're now software engineers you know we're going to add we're going to have to add some layers of abstraction for them um, right, right. And, 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 you know, the question is, is what do those layers really look like? And, and are there people that can understand the layers beneath so that when they sort of come to us and they say like, Hey, so I ran this thing and it didn't do what I expected. Right. Like somebody can peel back the covers and, and, and sort of explain, okay, well, here's why I did this and here's why I did that. Right. Um, but a lot of that also sort of depends on, you know, like developer or, you know, basically like workflow ergonomics. Right. Um, That's what I was going to get to. Like this layering and abstraction, obviously you add the right number of layers of abstraction to make your life as easy as and, and as flexible as it needs to be. And when you're down at the physics level, there are the fewer levels, you, you almost are required to use fewer levels of abstraction or to use layers of abstraction, which ultimately net out, which is kind of the C++ way. And indeed the JVM's ability to, you know, in terms of about software layers of like interfaces and whatever, then eventually they can all boil down to, yeah, look, we know what you're doing. You're just reading a byte here, right? Good stuff. Um, but then there are another sort of uh, uh, aspect to this is the various people on the team. And I think we've talked about this before as well. Like the team dynamics are almost the most important thing. It's like how yeah. how high velocity can we have our teams be, how happy are they at working how comfortable are they with their tool set and when then you add in like the folks we're talking about who have more of a math background how how confident are we we can give them uh something which doesn't turn out to be a loaded uh rpg pointing at their own head which is yes, kind of a c plus plus i know i yeah. you know i maintain that it would be perfectly feasible with enough time and engineering effort to hand a, a sort of gilded environment of like put your code here mm. in c++ to hand to non-c++ folks and and mostly not have them shoot themselves in the face but that would be a huge undertaking i believe compared to having essentially language level safety nets that something like java gives them 
or you know a lot of the rest of the world that we're using in in our in our industry uses python for this because again there are a number of ways you can blow yourself up with python but almost none of them involve strange memory leaks or you know crashing with threading behavior and all that kind of stuff right, right so right, right. so a lot of the decision process is around how can we give an ergonomic and um uh, an environment to the researchers such that they can do their job really well and right. we can still be performant enough right yeah the performant enough is is uh one of the places where this gets tricky i think part of that problem is hard no matter what language you choose for this right um you know i i think the the you have to really think about like the the sort of the platform and the structure that you're giving them and it is going to be like language specific like obviously in java like to an extent you don't have to worry about memory uh well you don't have to worry about memory freeing uh right. you have to worry about memory allocation because if you allocate too much of it you're going to burn all your cpu time in the garbage collector and then nothing good is going to happen right. from that but, um, but you that is a feature as well that is a yes. feature right that is yes. part of that is a feature is like well okay we don't have to worry about this and that's a right. good thing right right and i mean a lot of the stuff that you you do get in uh well-designed c++ i can see ways where you could structure things where they were very difficult to use incorrectly whereas um one of the things that i've certainly seen with just not even not necessarily researchers but novice software engineers is they start to develop superstitions around garbage collection and the jvm about like oh yeah you shouldn't use this because it creates too much garbage or you know stuff like that and like i've seen you know folks looking using like uh, patterns from like the late 90s about always creating string builders in java and doing all this horrible yeah, concat yeah. concat 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 type stuff rather than just writing out the obvious stuff and like since about java 10 well I, I now i can't remember what it was but like the compiler java compiler has been able to do the thing for you right and yes yes you know again yes. there's those superstitions and it's because it's not easy to measure the effects of it you end up doing these kinds of things i mean i'm and like that's not unique to java folks let's be absolutely clear the number right. of people that of will course. like pack structures in weird ways in mm -hmm. c because they think well this would be better and you're like well is it right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. so yeah so i think a lot of this actually comes down to some of the, you know the things that we talked about in an earlier episode about performance testing and like having sane and intersubjective ways to do performance testing where like when someone, in, whoever they are, when someone introduces a, a performance problem, whether it's speed or memory or both, um, there are ways to measure it and there are ways to talk about it that are um, not, you know, the system doesn't feel crisp today. Um, so, <laughs> oh, my the, word. That is such an in-joke. <laughs> Do you want to? So, should we, should we explain? I think we have to explain that. I, I, I yes, I I have only heard this secondhand. Oh, I was okay. not there when this was uttered. It's, so I I it's there, I have a sort of all right. I'll give a, an abridged version where, uh, if you are the operator of a trading system, you turn basically turn it on. You can adjust some parameters, and then you're watching the buys and sells go in, and that's all your interactions with. And hopefully, you notice that you make money at the end of the day or during the day as well. And famously, one of our our desk heads. We would make a, a change and then he would describe the feelings that he got turning the system on and observing the trades with like literally no information really at all. But going, oh, it seems really, you know, crisp. It's like a good 
trade, whatever changes you made, made this better. You know, like 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 it was like some kind of I don't know air freshener variant. I, it seemed very very strange to me. And, and in fairness, in the games industry, we used to have similar things. You know, oftentimes there wouldn't have been any obvious change that would have made it faster, slower, or anything. But yeah, I remember um, a, a colleague of mine in the games industry saying that um, that they would add in all these extra variables that weren't wired into stuff to hand to then the like game designers, and they would be like tweaking the boss fight by moving these sliders around, going like, "Yeah, this is it needs you know seventy eight um, you know secondary aggression, which literally did nothing, but it was like yeah. a placebo thing <laughs> to make them feel better." And they would come up with similar words to describe how it would feel, but you know oh, that's. Actually, unkind. I don't want. I don't want to think people. I think to think that's okay. You know, don't don't it pull all over though, folks' eyes. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. All right, and it was yeah. It's unkind, but it is funny. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's it's a hard problem working in this environment where you're going to support people that are going to write code, but they're not professionals at it. They don't want to be professionals at it. They have another profession that they're professionals at. Um, is is a challenge no matter what tools you use. Right. Um, and, and, and the tools that you choose will inform the kinds of problems that you have to solve for them. Um, but, you know, the premise that we have going in this project right now, at least, is that we think Java will be a better environment to support those those researchers and the code that they write. Um, but it's certainly not the case that the entire system, I feel. Right. I think that's something we glossed over, I think, you know, when, yeah. in, in, a bit earlier is that, you know, we... One of the the layers of abstraction, such as we described it, is is less of an abstraction layer than a physical layer between a part of the system which can run in pure native and keep up with the network card, and then have a way of communicating to the rest of the system through an elastic enough buffer to handle the fact that maybe from time to time the other part of the system isn't quite keeping up, but it doesn't matter because the packets are being decued and put somewhere where people are getting it. And they've been processed enough to make it straightforward for, for the, the downstream uh, pr- um, consumer to, to handle too. So that that sort of seems to be the right compromise where we're putting the native engineering effort in the place where it's required. We've, we're keeping our options open in the other world there could be places where we could still use native aspects or other languages but like for now the rest of the system might as well be in a language where out of the gate we can get folks in and they can start writing code and be productive without necessarily being aware of all the foot guns that c++ brings and it still has a decent chance of being performant i mean like we've said java can be very very performant Mm -hmm. sometimes it can beat c++ so it's a, it's a sort of mix and match approach, I think, is what yeah. what we've come to here. Yeah. And I mean, there is a certain additional strength in that diversity of, you know, the more of these platforms that you have, the greater access to sort of tools and libraries and things that you have, right? If we find some library that solves a particularly important problem for us, um, and it's a native library, we don't have to pull any like JNI shenanigans to shoehorn it into our Java system, we can just build some native code around it and have that be a major component of the system, and that will work great. Um, and because you know, I mean, th- there's nothing more disappointing to me when I'm working in Java and I, I clone some project and I've got the JDK installed or it automatically just installs in the make file as I would usually do, 
And I go to run it, and it's like, oh, yeah, you haven't installed this apt package. And I'm just like, why? No, yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's the worst. It's it's a, a sad, unfortunate, uh, yeah, situation yeah. that the many things that do need native stuff do just require you to apt install it as like a global somewhere and sudo this. You're like, no, there's, we shouldn't have to sudo insta- anything these days. So, yeah, building, building our own um, native components and allows us to, to put in it's only if they're native um and that's been a, a mixture even in the the trading systems that i mentioned before the previous companies that were mostly written in java ultimately there was usually a little thing at the very end that was native and it was either shared memory communications or literally unix pipes or or actual jni and that would you know the, the things that needed it you could target and say well this is the thing that generates tons of garbage so why don't we just have the native code do the work and then net it out to the answer and there's no garbage then, right? You just... Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, at least for this project, for the constraints that we have, for the people that we have, both researchers and engineers, uh, the the answer to the question of C++ or Java, in my mind, is yes. <laughs> um, right. And and I think that you know as as the project evolves, it will be easy to see you know maybe the proportions on each of either of those. But I can't imagine doing this project where that would be purely one way. One or the other. other. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me too. So yeah, I I don't know what um, what our listener will think of this episode. It's been an interesting one because you know this has been names have been changed to protect the innocent version of uh, a discussion we've been having for a month probably. Yeah. Or yeah. so. And this is kind of the the outcome we've come to, and I think it's a great compromise between all of the various pull pullings in this heligy middle that we find ourselves in. So, mm-hmm. hopefully, it's been interesting for those listening along, and we haven't gone around in too many circles as we have been doing in our own discussions about this. <laughs> yeah, this is the condensed version of this. This is yeah the, yeah. the thirty five yeah. minute version of what has been a month of conversation about this kind of stuff, and trying to find and justify and prove to ourselves that this is the right path to go down yeah yeah well i guess we should uh, leave it at that i mean we haven't really touched much on the, some of the really cool specific things that java can do inside the jvm and some of the jit tricks it can pull mm-hmm. uh but you know maybe we should leave that for another episode or if you can I mean, find somebody like a great other episode but but we for now we're yeah. sort of relying on all that kind of stuff and going it will definitely be fast enough by a long way and mm-hmm. and uh and the, the native code will be applied where it's where it's required, and maybe in other places where it will be useful to have it too. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll revisit this in six months and be like, "Wow, this was a bad decision." And let's explain <laughs> why. Yeah. <laughs> well, if that does happen, you'll hear it here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Until next time, then, my friend. All right. been listening to Two's Compliment, a programming podcast by Ben Rady and Matt Godbold. Find the show transcript and notes at twoscompliment.org. Contact us on Twitter at 2CP, that's at T-W-O-S-C-P. Theme music by Inverse Phase, inversephase.com. <laughs>